Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what's astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. So what astonishes you this weekend? I am astonished uh, by that part of the um, Christmas narrative where uh, Jesus is born among animals because I'm a city kid and... I hate to say this because I know there are a lot of animal lovers, but I don't really like animals. Me too. This is why we're friends. <laughs> oh, really? I see. I never knew this about yeah. you. Well, it's because we don't talk about animals. Yeah, we don't right. like That's right. I'm also not a huge fan of nature, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I like asphalt and concrete. I'm a city and, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this part of the narrative grows my affection for Jesus because one of the things that astonishes me about this because I'm I'm imagining first century farm animals they smell they drop things on the ground I'm no expert but I think 21st century farm animals well, still smell <laughs> like you are right you're right you're right uh, but one of the things this reminds me of every year is that there's no part of my life that's too low, too dirty, too broken, too sinful for Christ to come and enter in. And I'm always, I mean, as, as long as I can remember preaching this text or teaching this text, every year astonished by that part of the narrative. Well, and I think for me, uh, I am rereading one of my favorite books of all time, which is about Paul Farmer, and I talk about it a lot. Mm. He's the um, he does public health in Haiti, and has really just literally changed the world in terms of how multi drug resistance tuberculosis is treated in developing third world, fifth world countries. And um, anyway, he he talks a lot, and as when we were in seminary, he talked about a lot about the preferential option to the for the poor. Mm. And for me, I just think like that can be a really threatening thing to hear this idea that God is particularly in solidarity and in community with people who are literally poor. Mm -hmm. And that can be threatening for those of us who are middle class and incredibly privileged. And I would put myself in that category. But I also just think if you read the Bible, and particularly if you look at the way God came, Mm. you just, you ignore that at your own peril. (laughs) That if you have no connection with, no relationship with, no no um, solidarity and compassion with people who are poor, then you really need to ask yourself the question, are you showing up in the places where God shows up? Which is not to say that God, I think, prefers the poor to the rich. Mm -hmm. It's just about saying God shows up in the parts of the world that we despise and hallows them. And and that's just who God is. We were talking about earlier that God doesn't show up one way in the Bible and then exist in a completely different way now or in the future. Like this is where God shows up. And so that idea of this place where, you know, the one who the world, the culture says doesn't matter is shoved to the edges. Because to me, it's interesting as a city person and living in a city that's rapidly gentrifying Mm. and seeing the most vulnerable members of our population being pushed out of desirable areas and out to the outskirts and the edges of the city. I mean, it's just interesting that in that moment, um, even though Jesus, you know, the parents are being called to a city for a census, they get pushed out to this, you know, undesirable location because there's no room for someone like them anymore and no, anyway, Mm -hmm. so. Well, it also, for me, when I reflect on my life and how I like to show up in the world, Mm -hmm. right, I like to show up um, with 
confidence and competence and, you know, all things bright and beautiful instead of weakness, vulnerability, which is how God chose to show up in the world, which is astonishing. I mean, and I think it's interesting what that part of the story says to you and to me sort of instinctively, because it's not an either or, it's definitely a both and, but Mm. I think it's interesting to me and not surprising that when you read about that part, you, you spiritualize it and say like, these Mm -hmm. are the undesirable Mm -hmm. parts of me that Jesus claims. And Mm -hmm. when I read that same part of the story, I, I don't know, whatever the opposite of spiritualize it is. I actualize it. I say, this is, this is about God showing up in the world. It's an ethic. It's an ethic. And and the reality is, again, it's both. It is absolutely absolutely both. And so those of us who see it as an ethical uh, revelation Mm -hmm. need to also understand that it's a spiritual revelation and, and those person. of us, right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah, that's good. They're good. So what's astonishing you? Um, so last week at the Grove, we had, um, the, our cantata Sunday, which mm. as in many things of the Grove is, is something that a lot of churches do, but, but we do it quite differently. Um, and so I just, it's just beautiful. Mm. Um, and what I want to never get tired of noticing and naming and being astonished by is this opportunity that the body of Christ creates for a bunch of people to come together and make something Mm. beautiful solely for the sake of beauty. Right. And so, I mean, a, like our cantata is not normally, I grew up thinking of cantata as this very formal, like elevated, technically difficult, Mm. you know, and, and the, the, the worship service that, our friend Elizabeth created is really accessible. Like everyone who was there that day leaves with these songs in their hearts and they're just so real and so authentic and creating a space where people from all different walks of lives can come together and, and sing the same praises of God and give it as a gift to the people who come and just behold something beautiful and unexpected and, and, and more than it has to be. I just need to never, ever, stop noticing and marveling at mm, that because i mm. think it's just a microcosm of of what the body of christ is it's not utilitarian mm-hmm. it's valuable and it's worthy and and it it just hallows things simply for the sake of that's what the glory of god does and for me that service was that and and getting to be a part of it and getting to see you know other people come to the front and um it just was beautiful. And I want to always, um, I never want to take for granted our Mm. opportunity to, by the power of God, create something that wouldn't exist, except that God's people came together and said, this is who we, you know, this is who we are. And this is what we believe in. Anyway, it was beautiful. And I was astonished at it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of how often we associate and we should, um, the presence of God with truth and power, um, righteousness, the right, but mm-hmm. not enough with beauty. I think so too. And especially in, and you know, in a different, you have to have eyes to see it, right? Cause yeah, it's not yeah. beauty as the culture defines beauty. Yeah. It's, it's deeper than that. And, yeah. um, and it's hard to even articulate what that is because I mean, because of, you know, budget constraints and constraints yeah, and other things yeah. like the grove is that we have an, our physical space 
is incredibly valuable mm-hmm. and holy mm-hmm. things happen here, but it's yeah. not always a beautiful space just because of yeah. the way that we choose to show hospitality to our neighbors and yeah. the way that we choose to steward our resources. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. nope, we're not going to mm-hmm. replace that carpet, even though it has stains on it. Instead, we're going to use yeah. that to, yeah. you know, resource kids or neighbors or whatever. So, so it's a, it's not a beauty of the eyes. It's a, beauty of the soul well, it, right i think it's got it's probably so much of both that right i'm thinking of if if god is the most beautiful being the most beautiful reality in the universe and yet the incarnate god in christ the resurrected christ still has the nail scars in his hands and mm-hmm. feet right and there's some and you're 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 better at this than i am but i mean there is, there is a passage in scripture about Jesus being not lovely in form, right? Is that? Yeah, um, I think um, uh, the, that comes out of Isaiah. They're right. one of those servant. Right, just to uh, say that yeah. this is not someone who's, who, anyway, so I, I do think there's just something incredibly powerful about yeah, this idea yeah. of people coming together and creating something beautiful yeah. solely for the sake of the act that disappears and doesn't exist and is given away as a gift and and is received as a gift. And it just matters. It just really, really matters. And, um, and I can't let that creative act and that beauty be reserved for only certain sets, Mm. subsets of the body of Christ. It's all of us. And Mm. so anyway, it was, it was really glorious and I'm, I'm choosing to remember that. So that's good. What are you thinking about? I am thinking about being okay with a holy, H-O-L-Y, a holy good enough in this season. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my to-do list is crazy. Um, I feel overwhelmed. um, And I'm coming to a place where I'm saying to myself, you know what? This is good enough it's a holy good enough in terms of mm-hmm. my preparation for the sundays for the new year um for my family life that it, i'm i'm trying to find the goodness and the grace and the beauty of it not being perfect it not being complete it's so but interesting it to hear enough. a man say that cuz that's what all my really <laughs> women and mom friends wow. say but what that's interesting because I'm I'm living that so much that I'm not even thinking about it. But it occurs oh. to me in hearing you say that, that like my desire every year in this moment is like, oh, I just want to do X and Y and Z in this kind of way so that mm-hmm. I can just love and enjoy and, and sort of luxuriate in these days. And it's this interesting, like my, my unexamined mindset is I need to do this so that I can experience these days as holy and it's the same challenge with sabbath right mm-hmm, that you feel mm-hmm. like okay if i can just clean the house and prepare a nice meal and feel good that i've accomplished all my tasks <laughs> yeah, then yeah, yeah, i can yeah, enjoy yeah, sabbath yeah. and the and the trick and the discipline and the gift of sabbath and these holy days is that ready or not they're given to us mm-hmm. and our need to earn them before we enjoy them or to feel as though we're creating them yeah, as opposed yeah. to just, it's just so interesting. It's so real. And, and I'm, but again, it, it is interesting because I always feel like it is a, in some ways a really uniquely uh, female problem because mm. I'm doing like the 
church stuff and the mom stuff and yeah. it's all good stuff yeah. Yeah. and it's so good that you just want to do it all better and better That's and right. better yes. right and yes. so it's, yeah it's well just, and my pattern has been go really really hard until i can't go anymore mm-hmm. right and then people have to take care of me because mm-hmm. i my tank is empty right 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 and i'm right. i just don't want to do that this year well and that's not the way we want our the people we serve to walk through this season that's right, right. that's right and so i i do think lisa said to me once in a terrifying way and i don't think this is true except that i do not like people won't really grow past you as the, you know, and I mean, obviously, there are so that's many people powerful. in my community who are way more spiritually mature than I am and way more gifted. So on the one hand, that's just absolutely not true. But on the other hand, there is something real about like, mm-hmm. I, if I know that my people need to do a certain thing or that God desires for them or that God's, but then I am not interested in trying to cultivate that same reality in my life. Yeah. Like if I'm too busy or too good or too important or too whatever to receive this, then I'm just fooling myself if I, if that I think people will, I mean, how can people follow me where I'm not going? <laughs> totally true. So, we create this yes. lid for folks um, yeah. we serve and yeah. That's terrifying. I don't want to think about that anyway. Well. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you thinking about? Um, so I was in my middle daughter Quinn's um, holiday party this week. Um, and it was really interesting because they had decided and didn't have anything to do with me, but that the fourth grade kids were going to collect toiletries for our homeless neighbors and like make little bags that they would give out, which I thought was a lovely thing to do. And in all the years that my kids have been in elementary school, the parties have been very geared towards like making Christmas crafts or playing fun games. And so it was interesting that at this school, which is the second year we've been at the school that I love, um, that that was how they wanted to set aside that time was wonderful. And I, I went, um, to to be in there because I found out that our class doesn't have a room mom and I was like well I guess I guess I am literally better than nobody so I'm gonna go um and my my really um wonderful wonderful friend um, named Adrian who has started this not-for-profit ministry called Hope Vibes um where they go out um in Charlotte in different places um to meet our homeless neighbors many of whom are not connected with kind of the infrastructure like urban ministry mm. and the shelters like these are these are folks who are homeless and are really for whatever reason kind of working outside the system and so yeah. she goes to them and and she felt very convicted that she um knew there was a need about hygiene products and kind of just said okay me like i i will do this and so it's grown into this really beautiful thing and so she came in to talk to the kids about about that um which was great but what what i'm thinking about was she started off by asking the kids, well, what do you think when you, well, who has seen someone who is homeless? Yeah. Um, and they all raise their hands. And then she asked them, well, what do you think about that? And the kids were so, um, they said, you know, it makes me angry. It makes me sad. Wow. Um, it makes me feel hopeless. And mm. I just was really, um, t- I don't know. There was just something so sacred about that moment of kids not, just having this uncomplicated vision mm. of the fact that that's not the way God created the world. Right. Yeah. And I think one kid yeah. said, like, if I have a house, why don't they? Wow. Right. Wow. Or, you know, and I just I appreciate that life is complicated. But sometimes I think that we I mean, I wish that every time I saw a homeless person, I felt angry and sad. Mm. And the reality is 
I don't always because I've just become conditioned and adjusted to living in a culture where some people have houses and some people don't. And that's mm. just the way it is and wow. whatever. And I, and I was reading a book about talking about Christians needing to become maladjusted mm. to parts of culture and saying the church, unfortunately, is too well adjusted that's to good. culture. And it just struck me that those kids were so prophetic in naming. I feel bad when I see mm. a homeless person and not guilty or ashamed, but just... Anyway, so I, I've been thinking about that and thinking about um, what that means for our community and, and how we need to be willing to sit in discomfort around mm. places of injustice and tragedy and brokenness in the world and not become accustomed to it and not look away yeah, um, and not sort of say, well, these people have made bad choices or, oh, you know, just to say, no, this is a tragedy. And at least we can start with naming this is a tragedy and teaching our children to name that this is a tragedy and it's not inevitable. It mm. doesn't have to be this way just because it is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was a good, um, it was a good thing to be led by those kids in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that was at school? I was at Quinn's. Wow. Yeah, Quinn's fourth grade. Not even a church setting. This no, was... no, it's not. I mean, public school wow. um, setting. I mean, it's really nice and not for nothing, but I will just climb on my soapbox to say, I get really angry mm. when people dry, draw this artificial line between like, you know, God isn't in the public schools or people can't pray in the public schools. And I just want to be like, I don't know why you think that people have to pay money in order for God to dwell in a school building, mm. right? Like, tell me that God is not in that moment and in those kids. And anyway, and in that teacher who created that space yeah. and, in cult, you know, in cult inculcating those values in yeah. the children yeah, and yeah, yeah. anyway so it was it was a really sacred moment um and i was really honored and humbled to be there and i'm still not sure what i'm thinking about it because i'm not yeah. sure what to do with it yeah sure so, sure wow yes, yes so what are you preaching um, do we do what you're thinking about yeah okay it's great. That's, that's, that's what, right. That's right. That's what you were, yes, that's yes, what you were thinking about. Okay. So I, I, I don't, I am preaching this week. I, first of all, I have four sermons in my head and they're all running together and it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I love preaching the most. So I'm not I complaining. I never do that. I'm just I, I have trouble with one sermon at a time and you've confused. got four going on at once. And well, that's pretty amazing. It's a, no, no. Well, I don't know that it's amazing, but it is a, it is a, um, a it's a skill. And it's a an gift. embarrassment of riches. No, no that's a gift. That's a gift. It is. I don't know. But I, um, I, I, I'm thinking about tabernacling in my preaching and thinking about what does it mean? The word became flesh and dwelled among us. That's what we're recording this a week early. So I, I, I'm still, I got to take these in, in order. So I, I'm still thinking about that for this Sunday and, um, what it means that the place where God just, John says, uh, first week, who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Second week. Why did Jesus come? Because we're walking in darkness mm. and he came to give us light. We're walking in blindness. Mm. He came to give us sight. And then I think this this third installment and last installment of the proto prologue is where is Jesus? Mm. And you know, for Luke and Matthew, it's Jesus is in the manger or Jesus is in the River Jordan and Mark. But I think John is really saying Jesus came so that those who receive and believe in his name can be given power to be the children of God. And that to me, and I think to John is saying, you know, you will be made new, you will be born again mm. if you allow the Lord. 
to consecrate your heart and that the place where we find Jesus is not in Jerusalem and it's not in December and it's not in first century Middle East. It is in a surrendered heart um, where, where Jesus dwells with us in this intimate space individually and then drawing us together in community. And I, I'm just still trying to figure out how do I, how do I cut through all the many versions of where people have heard that before and make that real and bring people to a place of choice of saying like, look, if it's true, this is glorious. And if it's not true, we're like Paul fools. Mm, yeah. And so let's just take, take the word at his word yeah, <laughs> that this yeah, is why I yeah. came and say, okay, here's my heart, Lord. Mm. And, and I need you to do something in me that I, that I can't do or don't even want to do in wow. myself. And and so just inviting people to, to make that choice. And also that it's not something we can do one time when we're 13 years old for the rest of our lives. It's a continual re-surrendering of our heart. So that's what I'm thinking about. Well, let me just respond to that. Cause you said it really well while we were walking. I was all okay. over the place. <laughs> okay. I was going to say that exact same thing. It was kind of like, not as clear as you just put it. I was like, okay, what like while we were walking you were just wrestling and i don't know what this is about and yeah now i mean you just put it in a really clear compelling way i'm like there's your sermon well i think one of the reasons we wanted to make this podcast is because we found our friendship to be so valuable in our individual work of pastoring and Mm. preaching and so i mean that that always happens and i joke about it but it's not a joke it would be funnier if it weren't so true that on the weeks when we can't get together and like talk and pray and like my sermons are worse because there's just something um there's just something that the holy spirit shows me in, in this friendship and i'm really grateful for it and to the extent that i would give anybody advice about pastoring which let's not get ourselves i would do that all the time (laughs) that's not a good thing it's just a true thing stop it yolanda was silently laughing right now but um i just think our friendships and cultivating friendships like this is such a gift not just to me personally but to my congregation like i am a better preacher because we're friends i'm a better pastor because we're friends which means i'm a better servant of this congregation which means this is a better church and i feel like so many pastors feel like oh i don't deserve to take this time or there's more important things for me to do with this time yeah, and yeah, i just think yeah, it, it's yeah. i think that's a lie yeah. um and so well and we have that part of our ordination vows to be a friend among your colleagues mm-hmm. and we we gloss over it and or when we consider it, it's like oh yeah be nice to your colleagues mm-hmm. but there really is something very deep meaningful and necessary in having um, colleagues that are your friends and not simply being friendly to your colleagues, because this can be uh, as wonderful and meaningful and um, as much as a gift this um, and privilege this work is, it can be lonely, challenging, unclear, uh, 
can be lonely if you're alone. I mean, yeah, I think that, like, yeah. for me, part of the thing is, you know, when Jesus didn't have to walk around with 12 people, well, and Jesus yeah, yeah. says, like, I call you friends, mm, and there's just mm. something, we're, we're called to community. Yeah, and so yeah, we yeah. need to embody that. And I just, yeah. I've said this before, like, I just feel like if a church is healthy, it should be a friendship factory, right? Like, That's people good. should just yeah. be falling in love with yeah, one another, yeah. and we should be witnessing to the world what it looks like for men and women yeah, to yeah. be brother and sister yeah. in Christ and to have these healthy and holy and God-affirming relationships. And yeah. I mean, that just should be healthy relationships should yeah. abound in people who are bound. We should have a conversation about that. We should. Yeah. I think no, we, we are. No, well, no. I mean, at some point, a, a, a longer conversation about that. Anyway. But yes, you're right. Yeah. Like, I, I stumble through things. I, you know, I study on my own. You study on your own. We stumble through things in our conversations. And then usually for me, it's in the context of a conversation with you that like a like a click in my brain and I'm like, oh yeah. yes, this is what this is what I've been trying to hear from the Holy Spirit and something about that moment of just talking. Well, the folks right. at Dorita Church already know that most of my stuff comes from you and um, they said, well um, thank Kate for us. <laughs> that a, was a good a sermon. Lie. That was a good sermon. Uh, thank Kate for that's us. That's a darn lie. That's wrong. <laughs> Although all, any theology or doctrine that ends up in my sermons at the Grove comes from <laughs> That's a true statement. So what are you preaching about? Uh, The Sunday after Christmas, I am preaching that traditional Christmas narrative, Luke chapter 2. In the days of Caesar Augustus, a decree went out, right? And um, asking, well, again, we're dealing with the theme of joy. So for me, this text is the joy of knowing that God is at work in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, God did not create the world, wind it up, and then set it aside. And um, um, injustice, brokenness, death will will reign forever and ever. That's how it is. And you just have to make your way in this world. You endure until you get freed from it. And this life is crap. And just put That's your right. head down. And, Hopefully yeah. I'll go to heaven when I die. But no, God is involved yeah. in the world. Um, and we see that in the birth of Christ, the whole narrative, you know, uh, Mary and Joseph are in Nazareth and they got to get to Bethlehem. Well, how does all, well, God, the sovereign hand of God is orchestrating all of that. Well, and the glory of God breaks in. Cause I, yeah. and, and I, I, I think someone was telling me lately about growing up in a particular kind of church that had very much that theology of like, this world is a veil of tears and just kind of get through it and. And, you know, you, you, you are in a sacred, you're sanctified in the sanctuary. And then once you leave the sanctuary, you know, you get dirtied up by the world. So you got to come back here. And, and they were telling me that they, they left church and really as a young person, really thinking like, gosh, would it be best if I were just hit by a bus right now? Wow. Right. Just wow. because, you know, that was the wow. theology that they had, that, that they had, whether or not that was what is intended to be communicated. Yeah. That's what they had received was that this world is just gross and bad yeah. and ugly. Yeah. And you just, your job is to keep yourself as, as clean and mm. pure and safe from it as you can until you get, you know, released to, mm. to the good place. <laughs> um, anyway. And so I just thought like, yeah. that's not what the story of the, the, if we take the incarnation seriously, this is God not only re-sanctifying, but showing where God has always been. Like, Bringing new creation. Well, and also, like, I like in the prologue, it's Jesus, there's this thing that Jesus is the light, was the light, and brings the light. So mm-hmm. it's not like the light wasn't there until Jesus shows up. Like, right. Jesus 
the Jesus, the Christ, the light has always been in the world. And then Jesus comes to show us that and to bring us more of it. But it's not as though there's any place in the world where God isn't. Well, as as an African-American Christian, there are two songs that um, have been in tension for me for a long time. And I thought I had to choose between the two, but they're they're both true and I hold them together. On the one hand, there's that um that classic hymn, This is my father's world. Yeah. Right? And to my Not John Gray's in, world. <laughs> that's another conversation. <laughs> that's all I could think this morning when we were talking about that. that this is John Gray's world. No. This is my father's world. That's right. The, yes. the world is shot through with the glory of God. Yes. And, and Paul says that in Romans. And right? then the, the yeah. other song is a spiritual, a slave song that says I'm rolling, I'm rolling through an unfriendly world. Mm-hmm. And both are true. Both are true. Yeah. And yeah. You At see least both... for, for now, in this age, both are true. Well, and I think in any age, I mean, that's what you see in Jesus' life, well, right? it won't be true in the age to come, but right. now, now it it is. Between the, the already the and the not yet, Absolutely. this, is, this yeah. is where we are. Yeah. And if we have yeah. no tension, if we're completely adjusted to the world, then then we're out of step with God, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's... Yeah. I know... And, and so that's why I, I, again, love the Christmas narrative, right? Because yeah. it's both. It's both. Mm-hmm. Jesus is born into a very violent... Unjust. Unjust world. Mm-hmm. And yet angels show up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. singing... Right. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. No, it's it's a heck of a story. It's, we are out of time. That's a cool. That's yes, a really we, we articulate way to end. <laughs> We're done. I got four sermons to write. Merry Christmas, everybody.